right, good evening. Please take your Bible and turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, it's good to be home. I was reminded again of, uh, well, a few things. But I was reminded what 40 below and wind chill feels like, and I hate it. Uh, you walk outside in the Canada, and that wind hits you right in the face and then right in the lungs and everything else, and it's like, get me out of here. <laughs> uh, thanks for praying for us, though. I'll talk more about it a little bit later. The Lord definitely blessed and answered your prayers, and, and I'll share some, some things with you in just a little while in our prayer time. Uh, but I definitely sense the presence of the Lord and the Spirit of God and liberty to preach to preach hard, uh, it was it, the Lord was was moving and working, and that was an answer to your prayers. So I thank you for it. But I'm I'm glad to be home. Psalm 119, and we, if you haven't been with us, we have begun working our way through uh, Psalm 119, and we'll just uh, go take each section as it comes, and we'll be here for a while. But we find ourselves in the second portion in verses 9 through 16, and we started uh, a couple weeks ago, or before I left, in this section, and verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. And we'll stop right there for tonight. But the psalmist starts by asking a question, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? In the word way, it means a course of life. And so the question is about a person's life, the course of a person's life. And he says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? way or have a clean course of life and he doesn't talk about any kind of sin or anything like that he the the need for cleansing is assumed here by the psalmist and it's assumed because we have a natural sin problem from the moment that we're born the bible says in psalm 51 5 behold i was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me Psalm 58, verse 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. That is the human nature. We don't have to teach our flesh how to be corrupt. And so the psalmist, what he's saying is, what remedy is there against this sin problem? What course is to be taken to have a clean life when we have this sin problem, well, the answer is given. He says, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Two things are observed here. First of all, the remedy. And secondly, the manner in how it's applied. What is the remedy? He says the remedy is the word of God. And by way of address to God, he says it's taking heed according to thy word. It is God's word not man's word. The Bible says there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. God's word is the means for cleansing 
Because if God had not given us his word and God had not given us direction, we would be utterly lost in our human sinful condition. But then he says and gives the manner on how that is to be applied. The manner how it's to be applied, the psalmist states, is by taking heed thereto. That simply means a study of, it means appropriation of, and a conformity to God's will and God's word. And so the psalmist says the answer for a clean life is to take heed to the word of God, the application of the word of God, the appropriation of the word of God, and the conforming to the word and will of God is the answer for our sin problem. And so that's the stage that is set for us in this section and we said we would divide this up into two main parts, the virtue of God's word and then secondly, the value of God's word. And so we've kind of been talking about the virtue of God's word in verses 9 through 12. And we said that the word of God has three inherent virtues as it's applied in the life of an individual. Verse 9 says that the word of God has a cleansing effect. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto, according to thy word. Again, way is a course of conduct or a way of life. And so again, the question is, how does a young person or any person stay clean in the environment of this world? How does their conduct or their way of life turn out? Well, if it's ever going to turn out into anything that is pleasing to the Lord, it's not going to be apart from the Word of God. It is the appropriation and the practical application of God's Word. It's sad when young people grow up in good homes and good churches and go the way of the world. The reason they go the way of the world is because there has not been a taking heed or an application to the word of God. The word is a remedy against our natural uncleanness, the uncleanness of our flesh and that we came into the world with. And like I said, we don't have to teach our flesh how to be corrupted. Taking heed to the word of God is the is the answer to the question of wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way. Secondly, taking heed to God's word is also the way to find reconciliation with God. You know, there are times in life when we mess up. There are times when we sin. There are times when we fall. And taking heed to God's word is a way to find reconciliation with God when one has lost his way, when one has failed, or one has been disobedient. How does one cleanse his way from failure and sin? By getting back into obedience to the word of God. There is no other source that will do. There is no other method that has that cleansing, transforming power other than the word of God. It is obedience to the word of God. There are people who say, well, you know, I tried these Bible principles, but they didn't really work. And I would say to you, you didn't really try. 
you didn't really give the effort that is demanded. Not really, because when God's word is heated and it's practically applied, it has the supernatural power of God with it. The kind that transforms the heart. The kind that subdues the will to God and his will. That is the power behind the word of God. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, and what does it do? Converts the soul. It's a changing around. It's a complete transformation of the soul. You know, our children and ourselves can be kept from so many harmful things. We can have a clean path, and it's only by the appropriation and application of God's word in the life. If we build our life on the principles of God's word, men, if you build your homes on the principles of God's word, it is going to have a cleansing effect. The word is the instrument which God makes use of to cleanse the heart of man. And why is that? Well, first of all, it shows us what we are. The Word of God shows us what we are. It's a mirror into the soul. It's a mirror into my life. It's the glass wherein to see what I really am. God is the standard, and the Word of God tells us about God and His character. And here's my life, and and here's the standard. I don't get to set the standard. You don't set the standard for what is right. God is the standard. And so the word of God measuring or lining up life against the word of God shows us what we really are. It's the glass wherein to see our corruption. But not only is it the mirror to the soul or to the life, it's also the water that can wash it out. Ephesians 5.26 says that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. How is a young man going to cleanse his way? By taking heed to the word of God. And so we find that the word of God has a cleansing effect to it. Tonight we're going to look at verses 10 through 12, and we're going to see the last two things. In verse 10 we find that the word of God also has a controlling effect. In verse 10, the psalmist says, With my whole heart... Have I sought thee? Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Notice how the psalmist says, I have sought after the Lord with my whole heart. Now that phrase, whole heart, it refers simply to the heart of man. However, the clear implication behind it is this wholehearted dedication to the word of God. The psalmist openly and freely cries out with his whole heart, Seeking after God, he says, with all of the dedication I have, I'm searching or seeking after the Lord. The psalmist further knew that God had required that he seek him with the whole heart. Because Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12 says, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. In verse 13 of Deuteronomy 10, it says, To keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day, and here it is, for thy good. 
the Lord says, what's required? What do I require of you? To fear the Lord, to walk in His ways, to love Him, to serve Him with all of the heart, to keep the commandment of the Lord and His statutes that I've commanded. And here's the kicker. It's for your good if you'll do it. He knew that the Lord, that God, had required that he seek him with the whole heart. He also knew that God had promised specific blessings for serving him with the whole heart. In verse 13 of Deuteronomy chapter 11, the word says this, And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season. Here we find tied to the, the doing of the will of God and the obedience to the word of God, what we find are the blessings of God. And the psalmist said, you know what? God's promised some very specific things if we serve him with the whole heart. Now, those were given to the nation of Israel at the time, but the principles don't change. The principle doesn't change for you and me today. There are definitely inherent blessings that come when we, with the whole heart, seek after the Lord. We could take some time to dig into some of that. But you know what? When we're obedient to the Word of God, and to the will of God and the command of God, God opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. When it comes to the tithes and it comes to the offerings, the Lord said, prove me. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. O obey, and this is what's going to happen. And over and over again, you find that in the scriptures. You do this, and this will be the result, God says. You don't do this, and this will be the result, God says. The psalmist knew as well that Joshua had commanded Israel to serve God with all their heart. In Joshua 22.5, Joshua says to the people of Israel, but take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cleave unto him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. There was the encouragement from the leader, from, from the man of God for the nation of Israel. Keep the commandment of the Lord. Serve him with all of your heart. And of course, Jesus himself said in Matthew 22 and verse 37, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. It's talking about wholehearted commitment to following after the Lord. And let me just say to you by way of application here, anyone who tries to keep God's word half-heartedly is going to fail. It's going to fail. God calls for total commitment. The whole being has got to be engaged. No man can serve two masters, the Bible says. We can't serve God and then serve mammon. But you know what? You can't serve God and serve self at the same time. We can't serve two masters. The whole being has to be engaged. 
in the things of God. And if there's still room for that idol in the life that we say we've repented of, guess what? That idol's going to dominate again. There are things that happen in life. We give in to our flesh. We let the flesh take over. Sometimes they become strongholds in the life. Something that just completely uh, consumes us or continually haunts us or continually drags us back down. And maybe there's times when we repent and we say, Lord, I'm sorry for this and I want to do better. And I try to get on this right path, but I but I haven't I haven't committed completely to the Lord. And my flesh still has elements of control. And guess what? It comes back again. It rears its ugly head. It starts to pull me down again. And I find myself uh, uh, persuaded by my flesh. I find myself controlled by this thing again. And I find myself in the same situation. And Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I messed up again. I want to do better. I want to do right. But we don't fully engage with the whole being in applying the truth of God's word, and we find ourselves the same cycle over and over again. And that's why people say, well, I just I tried these Bible principles, but they just didn't work. Half-hearted dealing with the flesh and its sin is always going to fail. This is the reason why people say what they say. Because of half-hearted dealing. There's got to be commitment to doing. Go to James chapter 1. Keep your place here. Maybe you find yourself in that situation even tonight. There's been something that's been plaguing you, something that grabs you and is pulling you back down. Maybe you've dealt with it before. It's starting to be a thing again in your life. Stronghold. How are you dealing with your flesh? How are you dealing with the Word of God? Half-hearted dealing with our flesh is always going to fail. In James chapter 1, in verse 21, the word says this, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness, that's dirtiness, and superfluity of naughtiness, that's the superabundance of depravity. That's what your nature is. That's what your heart is. And he says, lay it aside, lay it apart, that dirtiness and that superabundance of depravity. And receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is what? Able to save your souls. Then he says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You know what? If there is overwhelming or prevailing sin in the life, of a child of God, a believer, it is only there because of the fact that we are not claiming the victory that we have in Jesus Christ through His Word and through His Spirit. We are no more servants to sin. 
when we've become a child of God. There's got to be a commitment to doing the word of God. At the same time, now, let me just paint the picture here. Because sometimes we're just like, okay, I'm going to do better. I'm more confident. I'm determined. I'm engaging with all my might and all my heart. I'm going to do better. At the same time, as the psalmist says back in, in Psalm 119, that with his whole heart, he sought after the Lord. He also says this in the very next statement. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. He says, I'm searching and seeking after the Lord with all of my heart and all of my soul. I want to do right. I'm going to, but Lord, don't let me wander from your commandments. At the same time as there's this wholehearted commitment, the psalmist also realizes his own weakness. He says, let me not wander. It means to stray. Don't let me stray from thy commandments. He's showing his dependence on the Lord. And here's the application. We can be committed and we can be wholehearted in searching and seeking after the Lord, but it is only the Spirit of God that guarantees victory over sin as we yield to Him. It's not our promises to the Lord, but His promises to us that will give us victory over sin. So let me say it again. Lord, I promise you, it is not our promises to the Lord, but His promises to us that give us victory over sin. It's not by my might or my determination, but by His Spirit. Amen? Saith the Lord. The Word of God has a controlling effect in, my, in our life. The psalmist says, don't let me wander. Control me. It has a controlling effect in our life when we're taking heed to it. It helps to keep the feet on the straight and narrow path. And to highlight that, we move to verses 11 and 12, and we find that the Word of God also has a correcting effect. In verse 11, he says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me, Thy statutes. The psalmist had a teachable spirit about him, and he asked the Lord to teach him his statutes. But he also said in the same, at the same time, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The, the word of God in the heart, it has the ability to bring about divine restraint upon us. You know what? You need some divine restraint. So do I. Because our flesh is out of control. And our flesh will take us places we never thought we would go. We need divine restraints, not just in our actions. We need divine restraints in our attitudes. To check us up and remind us. Right? Oh, we get so indignant. I'm, we get, I'm, I'm right. I'm right about this thing. And, you know, we can be so right about something and absolutely be so wrong at the same time. We need divine restraints. Even Jesus, who was sinless and perfect, he was God in human flesh, 
Jesus himself said he always did that which was pleasing to the Father. Though he was God, though he was sinless, even Jesus relied on Scripture when he was tempted of Satan. Do you remember out in the wilderness? Satan tempted him, and Jesus answered Satan, It is written. It is written. It is written. He defeated Satan with the spiritual weapon that is mighty through God. And you know what? We can too. The psalmist says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. You know when that temptation comes? We find strength when we can quote scripture. Are you hiding God's word in your heart? Are you memorizing it? So that it's at the ready when the temptation comes. We find strength and we can quote scripture. It can put those divine restraints upon us and give us strength to say no in the moment to our flesh. But it needs to be hid in the heart. But you know what? Just memorizing scripture does not guarantee enduring temptation. Just because I have memorized scripture. No. It's the practical application of it that produces. And when that temptation comes, there's a scripture that can come to mind that I can claim. I, I know it's and I, I'm asking the Lord for strength and I'm quoting scripture. It gives me strength to say no. But that's not simply a guarantee that I'm going to endure. I've got to be committed to doing it. You see the connection between the whole heart commitment and relying on the power of God for victory that puts us in the best position to have victory. We need to enthrone God's word in our heart. And it's going to have a correcting effect when our flesh wants to rule the day and pull us away from the will of God moment by moment, day to day. Our flesh will do that. And we need to have God's word enthroned in our heart. The psalmist says, I've hid God's word in my heart so that I might not sin. So we see that the word of God has a cleansing effect. It has a controlling effect. It also has a correcting effect in our life. And then, as the psalmist said back in verse 1 and 2, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. There's blessing and a cleansing of the way and a life that will turn out for the glory of God by taking heed to the word of God. And next time we're going to talk about the value of God's word. We can read on in verse 13. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. We'll talk about the value of God's word. The psalmist says here that he has rejoiced in the testimonies of the Lord as much as in all riches. 
But then he notes that it's not something to be kept to himself because he says, with my lips, I've declared all thy judgments. The word of God is a treasure. Amen. It's a treasure, not just to my soul, but it's a treasure uh, for others. And it's not to be kept to ourselves. And so we're going to consider that truth next time. But the challenge here is. What part does God's word play in your day to day life? How have you done with your devotional time walking with the Lord? How have you done with being intentional about hiding God's word in your heart? What about those temptations and those prevailing sins of the flesh, the things that want to keep rearing their ugly head? What about gaining victory over those things so that they're not ever problem for my life again. Well, we always have problem with our flesh, but we're not to be servants to sin any longer. Amen. Romans chapter six teaches us that the remedy for it and the answer for it is God's word in the heart. We have tomorrow, the start of a new day, Lord willing. How are you going to start your day? Victorious, in the word of God, yielding to the spirit of God. How did you do today? Was there power and victory in your life over the flesh today? How did you do? Did you use God's word as that weapon, that spiritual weapon with the power of God? Take, take, a, take a minute and think about your day. Think about how much better or how much more God's word should rule in our life. And let's ask the Lord to help us. Amen. To enthrone his word in our heart so that it has that cleansing, controlling, correcting effect in my life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, help us to learn to love it even more. Like the psalmist who said here that He's rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches it was valuable to him. And he was recognizing the fact that the word of God was the remedy for this flesh. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to have the same kind of commitment to doing the word of God and the will of God. And Lord, that we would live victoriously in this life, that our way would be blessed. The course of life would be clean and the course of life would be blessed. We'd be free from the pitfalls of sin and even the high price that comes uh, with a life that's lived in sin. And Lord, I, I pray that you'd, you'd help us to, to have a heart that says, Lord, teach me. Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me your statutes. Lord, I want to be obedient to truth, to your word. I want my life to be lived in obedience to you. Lord, I want your blessing on my life. Lord, don't let me wander. Also showing our dependence on you. So, Lord, I pray that you would instruct us, encourage us, and challenge us in our daily walk. 
and our life with you and our life lived according to the word of God. Lord, may our love for it grow and increase, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just keep our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment.